Welcome to the 22nd episode of the Practical Operations Podcast. I am Brendan Diesendorf. I'm Jack Neely. And I'm Jared Watkin. We are here to talk about the practical side of operations work. This week, we're talking about the world outside of the standard Linux distribution for server and workstation environments. So the inspiration hit me uh, a couple days ago when I sat down at my machine at work. I checked my email, and one of the first things I always do is read my security folder, uh, which presented me with a security vulnerability and update to Systems D, um, which uh, patched a vulnerability that allowed it to uh, crash or otherwise behave abnormally um, in response to certain zero-length notification messages. Eh, another day, another security update. Big deal. The very same day, about 30 seconds later, I came across a... Um, uh, talk posted online for a conference that I think we'll be able to have in the show notes um, that was talking about how to make uh, SystemD's API available over REST and operable through a browser. So this makes your init system uh, fully exposed to the internet. And if I may quote a friend of mine, I think all is lost. It's at that point where I really strongly thought about Maybe we should run something else besides Linux. Gentlemen, discuss. I I think there are some options out there. Um, I know that Brendan has a lot of experience with Solaris, or is it Open Solaris? I can't remember which. I've done both, and I, I like both of them, actually. Um, I've done a little Solaris, and I've done some Solaris with Brendan. But I haven't touched Open Solaris, but I've kind of been looking at that. Yeah, that's that's the one that has my my interest in specifically uh, SmartOS, which is um, a distribution that follows the Illuminos, I guess kernel. Is that what you would? I mean, is that what you would call it? I think so. Yeah the um the the Solaris history quickly is the Solaris ten days son decided to open source the next major revision of. Solaris. So they had to create Open Solaris as kind of the the Solaris next, the next the next branding, the next branch, Solaris eleven, whatever it's going to be, and started putting a lot of the really awesome things they put into Solaris ten into it. So DTrace and ZFS, and they were putting stuff out under a open ish license. I don't remember. There was some brouhaha over this because the the CDDL, which is a the license they wrote and were using, wasn't entirely open, which we learned later to be a really nasty thing. But there's a bunch of really awesome technology in Solaris that allowed for really amazing operability of systems and reliability of systems at scale and hardware support or software support for doing things like removing processors while the machine is running, removing memory while the machine is running, swapping I.O. cards while the machine's running. The, all this stuff is kind of part and parcel to the Solaris environment. And the Solaris admins know this and love this and wonder why anybody else would ever use anything else because you have all of this flexibility and power and then and really that hardware support is is amazing yeah it's i've never seen anything like it it's phenomenal um and then solaris of course it's not every piece of hardware that's supported like that either true um open solaris also brought a modern packaging system to solaris finally uh, in the in the old bad days one of the really awful things about solaris 9 and solaris or solaris 8 and solaris 9 was the package format they used 
Nobody used Sun's actual tools. Every there was a, a patch check advance, a utility that somebody else had written that people used to mirror the updates and then figure out what they were applying and do dependency management and all the other crap. Um, so Sun released the imaging package, the imaging package system IPS, which had a lot of the a lot of app-like features to it for dependency resolution and repositories and giving various repositories priority on things, and it was actually quite nice. And then it you could couple... seem to be the most sucky um, package management system out there. Oh no! And then you could couple the the installation process with ZFS, so you could mirror your you could you could snapshot your root pool, you could apply your updates to it, you could reboot on it. If it went badly, you just rebooted on the old one as if nothing happened. It was a really slick and seamless way of handling a lot of things. But of course, the problem is Oracle. Um, Oracle bought Sun. And immediately moved to close source everything again and pull back from all of their kind of open promises on things. Ah, so, Soracle. Yes. Um, Oracle has done good things for the community, you know, years and years and years and years ago. And they have been money-grubbing jerks ever since, pretty much. I, so, well, so a few things do trickle out. Like, didn't they co-write ButterFS? or They adopted it, uh, it before they bought Sun, from what I remember. So they were looking to have a, a, a next-generation stable file system, and then they bought Sun, and they've been... Well, right, they I mean, no longer need BetterFS or ButterFS or however you'd like to pronounce it. Isn't isn't a few of the core developers still work for Oracle on ButterFS, or has it all moved over to Red, Red Hat? I honestly don't know. I'd have, I'd have to look that up. Um, Who but, does Ted so work for nowadays? I don't know. While you look that up, um, so the Open Solaris project basically died at that point, and Solaris 11 became a thing. And a bunch of folks cloned the last release gate off of or the last re- release off of the open source gate for Open, open Solaris, and f- started the, the Lumos project, which is it's a distribution in the way that Linux is a distribution. It's kind of the the very very core of it, and you need to add a runtime and everything else to, to make it operable. So there are. I don't know, a dozen now pretty awesome distributions around the Illumos releases. Um, Joint has SmartOS. There's, what are the other guys? There's, there's uh, OmniOS that I've been looking at most recently, but that's probably because of my habit for attending OmniTI's uh, conference called Surge. Yeah, you, you grabbed the only other one that I know, I know about <laughs> SmartOS. And, uh, well, wasn't there that um, that, that storage based OS that was based off of Lumos. Oh, yeah. That... Uh, Nexenta, I think, was a yes. Lumos-based. And they have ZFS in them, and they have a bunch of other really awesome tech in them, and they're they're really solid from an operation standpoint. Um, one of the big problems you have running a Solaris-based OS, of course, is that all the developers in the world these days seem to assume that everything is either Linux or Windows. And so they, they start hard-coding paths in that are Linux-specific. They start hard-coding for libraries that are Linux-specific. And a lot of these things either don't exist or they exist in different forms and different platforms. And to get even basic support for some of these modules, you have to then go dig and replumb and do all kinds of heavy lifting because they've hard-coded stuff internally, assuming that everybody's running Linux, and that makes it harder not to run Linux. Well, and, and that's why um, I really like SmartOS because they have what they call... Is it called Trit- Triton or they they called it like the data center OS? They called it a few other things. I think it's called Triton now. Tr- Triton, Tri- Triton, 
excuse me, Triton Smart OS, um, where it can run both uh, Linux binaries through like an emulation layer, or you can actually they have KVM that actually runs inside of one of their containers, uh, LX containers, that you can then run native OSs unmolested inside of KVM just like you would on Linux. So you can start porting some of your applications, so to speak, to run natively on SmartOS or even just inside of Docker because, hey, Docker images can run on SmartOS as well. Um, and then still run most of your applications inside of either the LX container that is, again, emulation or inside of KVM where it's full compatibility with, with anything. So um, that's what's got me really liking SmartOS. And by doing this, you get one of the other really awesome features of the Sun Network Virtualization Stack, or the Sun Virtualization Stack, which was they had a they have a complete implementation of network virtualization, so you can have routers and switches and all kinds of other complex network topologies inside your host OS running all of your pieces. So you you can actually rate limit and you can do all kinds of packet inspection as if you were running physical switches external to the box, and you're not just assuming loopback or other other silly software defined networking. Yeah, and it, stuff. and they released this in 2008, 2009, and it worked well then, and it's just been growing and maturing and being debugged over time. So it's it's a really solid way to build a foundation of, of a good distribution. One the of the only... things I hear over and over again is the complaint that Linux has no real file systems. And yeah, there's an argument to be had there. And with the Open Solaris... Um, distributions more or less uh you have zfs natively supported out of the box which is which is not really workable in a production fashion on linux well what about ubuntu with the latest lcs release they are natively supporting zfs do you think that will be a long-term solution it depends on how they're natively supporting it man i'm gonna have to go look that up honestly Um, i hope they can support it long term um I know that there's some internal pieces about the way ZFS wants to do its um, caching and the way that Linux traditionally does its caching that are at odds with each other. That if they can if they can make that a supportable, solved, non-resource fight, that would be yeah, that's a brilliant. A typical and I would issue love it with with more advanced file systems and interoperating with the Linux kernel, as Linux kernel has very specific layers for for block devices and caching and whatnot, and like RAID. And uh, BTRFS and ZFS tend to, to mash those up into one layer. That always gets interesting. But I know the the licensing for ZFS has been, or was purposely made Linux incompatible. Um, so I know that's yeah. been a big sticking port. It's it's definitely open source. It's just not uh, GPL compatible. Yeah, don't don't quote me on this, but essentially, I, I think Mark Shuttleworth's position on it is, yeah, come sue me, basically. Um, they, they've supposedly had lawyers look at it and they feel safe enough doing this, but yeah, I, I think that's the reason, especially like Debian, um, Red Hat, although I guess Red Hat at this point is kind of going all in with, uh, they're going Ceph. in with XFS. Well, XFS right now, I think their, their long-term strategy is Ceph, um, honestly. And Ceph is um, actually pretty freaking sweet for what it does, so. Yeah. I think they just had to do... I think they just switched over to XFS because they had to do something in the midterm, but they see Ceph as their long-term strategy because I think they're really... Because they... I mean, they bought 
the company behind stuff and mm-hmm. they're putting a lot of development into it so another, so what are, i was about to say another distribution that has my eye is open bsd it's the only other bsd other that uh, than well, i guess um FreeBSD is is another one, but really OpenBSD is really the only BSD that I really want to look into just because of its security mindedness. Um, <laughs> Double edged sword, my friend. It is. It well, I was about to say a negative is that it has less packages. Most of the packages are somewhat "quote unquote" older. Um, you definitely don't want to run a. I mean, you can run a desktop on it, but you definitely don't want to run your desktop on OpenBSD. Um, but it also has PF, which is a, a firewall that I love better than, than IP tables, honestly. Um, and I, I actually run uh, PFSense at the house, which is actually free D, free BSD based, but still runs PF. Um, so, yeah, I, I actually am interested in, in trying to learn OpenBSD as well. One of the interesting side notes about BSD is they were one of the early adopters of ZFS once Sun open sourced it. And I think they had... Um, RPool boot support for ZFS before Solaris had released it publicly. The BSD folks wow. were, were really quick about it, and they have really good support for it. And they also completely brought um, Dtrace in. So if you're looking for a Dtrace and ZFS in a very well-supported manner, the BSDs are a good place to look. And, and it would have wound I, up in OS ten, but Apple decided to back off that at the last minute, and speculation is because they couldn't get an indemnity agreement from either Oracle or Sun, so yep. they, they walked away from it. Well, and also Schwartz had to announce it a little early. Um, uh, I was talking with somebody, and they claim that FreeBSD has a better ZFS implementation than than the uh, OpenSolaris uh, clones now, the Illuminos and the, those others, that uh, FreeBSD is actually the, the best ZFS implementation around right now. That would be pretty awesome. I really like the, the BSD mentality and model the ports tree is pretty sweet um the like even netapp started as bsd appliances the 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 original netapp boxes were toasters and they they ran bsd under the covers and now they've moved off into their own their more specialized thing but the bsd model was was pretty workable and built a lot of very stable products that people have known and loved for quite some time and unfortunately if you're looking for a non-linux distribution this is really it. There's the Illumos stuff and there's the BSD forks. Um, all of the old System 5 stuff is basically dead at this point. If you're looking for HPUX or Erix or one of those things, Rudix. I'm not entirely sure why. Um, they're not they're not supportable in an open source environment. They're not supportable for large-scale production. They're, they're generally de- dedicated to very high-cost single-instance installations of either a database or an ERP system. They're not designed for kind of widespread use in testing. Outside of the server-only environment, there's a couple of other smaller options like the Haiku project, which was a re-implementation of BOS, which is pretty interesting, but it's not done, and it's it's enough not done that you can't really use it as a day-to-day desktop. And I don't know if that ever will be done. Uh, you know, it's a couple of... It's, it's a hobby for a, a few developers, and I just don't know if it ever will meet Get get to a place to where you could run a full desktop on it and not be missing something. But I, I think this kind of goes back to the the core question of what is an OS. 
it, we're kind of in a middle ground right now, especially with containers picking up so much popularity that I think we're going to see a, a shift. And that's another reason why I kind of like SmartOS is that their idea is, you know, we need a core, we need a small footprint that can then run containers or other things that will then contain the ultimate libraries, runtime, everything an application needs to run. We're just here to facilitate networking, storage, uh, memory, you know, all these kinds of things. That's it. That's what we're going to manage. And then we're going to leave the rest to higher level abstraction. I think that's where it's going and or that's where it will end up. I, I don't know how it will get there, but that's my opinion. Jack, you've been in the the open source space for many, many, many years. Do you have I any have? thoughts on that? Really, the only thought in my head was along those lines is at at some point, I think there'll be a shift uh, to use resources more efficiently um, rather than continue to add in virtualization layers on top of virtualization layers on top of containers, on top of images, on top of uh, those things. And as I look at non-Linux distributions, I'm, I am kind of got something that pokes me in the back of my head that says that being a, a Linux open software professional, um, there's a lot of Linux-specific things that I use and take advantage of. Um, uh, doing effective I.O. Uh, network or file-based with ePoll, um, that's pretty much a Linux-only um device and it's really fast um it looks like open solaris has a compatibility layer there um which is which is interesting to watch them take on linux features i guess um i know one thing that i do with linux uh really commonly is used uh the ipvs layer um which i think is relatively unique but i'm not really sure um but i seem to always find myself in a load balancing situation that i can't just solve with ha proxy or Nginx. Um, so I'd I've, tell you a UDP joke, but you wouldn't get it. <laughs> Two UDP packets walk into a bar. One comes out. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's always one of the things that sort of uh, bothers me in, in sort of the back of my mind is, is balancing... Uh, how we virtualize all this stuff from being completely independent from the OS and from how the uh, computer actually works, how processors and RAM actually work, um, so that we have uh, more Docker-like goodness, um, and and juxtaposed against you know actually writing efficient applications that can scale reasonably in a in in a global uh, environment. Yeah, there's two cents. Well, I, I guess that's a hope of mine, and that's the reason I really like the Open Container Project, and I'm I'm really hoping that we get past Docker uh, personally. Um, I think it's I th while I like Docker, there's a lot of things that could be better or uh, uh, better, just better thought out, and especially like the the storage format or the the image format i i would love to have visibility in that process or build build images other ways than just use the docker binary and i, I know there's now some ways to do it but it's it's kind of a hack um and I, I i guess one thing i would like to see is 
something more akin to that that LXC becomes a lot like uh, Open Solaris zones. I know that those are much more uh, they're they're much better than uh, LXC is currently on Linux in terms of networking support, uh, in terms of security, and you know, that those things need to progress on the Linux side to to help us out. You're going to start an argument in our comments section, which I think we encourage. Well, I mean, about Docker. I mean, basically, I feel like Docker is the equivalent of of system D developers. But anyway. But yeah, I think you, that as we had distributions in the 90s and the, what do you call the aughts, the 2000s, um, I think we will have systems like Docker and Mesa's Aurora and... There's 36 other. I just went to a a, a training course from Chef, uh, them talking about their own. But as we've had distributions in the past, I think we'll have container systems now in the future. Oh, I, but, I think so. I, and unfortunately, we're going to have lots of them. Yes. And that's the reason I, I, I have hope for that open container project. Because, project, I mean, you've got, you do have Docker in there. You have Red Hat. You have Google. You have Amazon. You have a who's who of the industry all there and just hopefully they can let down a little bit of all their egos and collectively come together and you know maybe this could be the unified Linux packaging format we've been yearning for. <laughs> <laughs> oh tell me another. <laughs> my 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 cache is on IPS. So, guys, please take the time to rate the show on iTunes. It's really the best way for new listeners to find the show. Additionally, as we've been mentioning, please give us feedback. Please have a discussion. Um, we want to hear your feedback about what the show should be and what you think of the show as it is so far. It's the best way for us to guide the show to be more useful and more appropriate for what you're you're doing in, in production. So you can leave us a comment. Hey, we're here to help, and we're we're interested in having some good conversations that helps spread the the magic of, of at-scale operations. Leave us a comment on either the website or email us at feedback at operations.fm, and we're happy to talk about stuff and reply to things. And that wraps it up for the 22nd episode of the Practical Operations Podcast. We've been Brendan Diesendorf, Jack Neely, and I'm Jared Watkins. Thank you, and good night.